Welcome to Gospel Centered Pro Life, the podcast where we talk about pro life issues in light of the gospel. In this episode, we're going to talk with Vicki Kasiorg, who's the volunteer coordinator for Cities for Life. She's going to share her testimony and how she got involved in the pro life movement. I felt your passion, touched your heart. Welcome to the Gospel Centered Pro Life podcast and uh, video. We appreciate all those who are watching. And we'd shared in the previous video about what it means to be gospel-centered and pro-life and, and kind of the ins and outs of that. And me and Vicky talked a little bit about that. And right now we're going to talk about kind of our testimony. And I really wanted to ask Vicky about her testimony and how she got involved in pro-life ministry because we want you guys to understand where we come from. You know, we're, we're people just like you. We have uh, the struggles that you have, and and uh, by God's grace, hold the convictions that many of you do. But we all arrive at those convictions at different places and from different places and for different reasons. And so we wanted to share a little bit of our experience to help encourage you guys. And uh, and so right off the bat, I'm just going to ask uh, Vicky some questions about her her role within the pro life movement, and then sort of how she got there. So so how did well first and foremost. What is your role within the pro-life movement? What's, what's your heart to, uh, to do? Kind of what has God called you to within the pro-life movement? Okay, well, um, first and foremost, to be a sidewalk counselor, to, to be out on there counseling moms, speaking up for the unborn. I feel that I am, uh, God has clearly called me to, to do that. Um, secondly, more uh, a specific role within Cities for Life is I'm the volunteer coordinator, so I... I help to train the volunteers that are coming on board through, we have a a fairly extensive training process and we wanna make sure that they feel enabled. Um, Some of our folks have been doing this like you for a decade and so there's a a lot of experience and you definitely can learn from the experience of others. So so I help to train the, the volunteers, equip them, make sure that they have the materials that they need to be able to be effective, make sure our sidewalks are filled for um, as well as possible for the hours that um, that the abortion centers in Charlotte are open. Yeah, and so just for folks who don't know, who aren't uh, familiar with what uh, you know, kind of what goes on here in Charlotte, and we mm-hmm. speak from that perspective as sidewalk counselors here in Charlotte, because that's where we're at, and uh, and that's what yeah. we in, are involved in every day is sidewalk counseling. Um, here in Charlotte, there are three actually. Uh, soon to be, unless uh, unless something miraculous happens, four abortion centers, and Charlotte is an abortion destination for a lot of the states here in the southeast, yeah. and they do the the main abortion clinic here in Charlotte, um, somewhere, sometimes as many as 50 or 60 abortions a day, but on average, 25 to 30 abortions every day, six days a week, and so it's our heart to have a Christian presence there on those sidewalks every day the, the doors are open, especially at that main abortion center. And so God, by His grace, has raised up an army of volunteers, mm-hmm. but it takes someone to manage that. It takes training. You don't just can't just throw people out there. I mean, you can, but they won't be as effective as they possibly can be unless you put some of what you've learned into them. And I'll say, and I'll say it again, I've said it before, Vicki's probably one of the most skilled sidewalk counselors that I've ever met. And uh, it's very effective. And, and one of the things that we've discovered in training up volunteers and equipping volunteers is look at look at how we do it by God's grace we've learned a lot of stuff and kind of shadow what we're doing here 
And, of course, we're always open to learn stuff ourselves, but we feel like the Lord has given us a real good model for training and for implementing that training on the sidewalk. And so people come and shadow Vicky, and and we at this point, how many volunteers do we have within Cities for Life? I mean, we've got... You know, know, a hundred probably, if not more, actively on the sidewalk, at least probably 50. Mm -hmm. But but I wanted to add something to to what we've already talked about a a little bit um, in that... Uh, the God has called me to speak truth and and to speak it in love and so um, and I think that's that's part of being a, a gospel focused ministry pro life ministry is um, we are called upon to pe- speak truth but um, as as you kind of look through what um, uh, how Jesus interacted with with those who were in sin it's um it's with truth and not with name calling or really very little anger so it's anger against the hypocrisy of the pharisees but um but he he has he unabashedly shared the truth of of god's word but he always spoke with gentleness and love and and that's really a big part of why um what i'm called to do i i'm very attracted to that that as a pro-life model yeah um i want people to come and interact with us and i i I pray that their hearts are changed um i think it was you who said um that if you can talk someone out of abortion they can be talked back into abortion so what we're doing and my heart is that i'm not trying to talk anyone out of abortion i'm trying to share the truth of who christ is and that their heart will be transformed through that yeah i remember one time you told me just a couple of it was probably uh, maybe six months or, or a year ago where you really had just uh, come to the place where you your heart was not even or not even not just uh, to go out and say babies but it was like I feel called to come out here and share the gospel yeah like just to, yeah. to proclaim the gospel to these moms it's an overwhelming and it was not something I ever recognized or realized was a gift or a calling prior to becoming a pro-life counselor um, when I realized um, abortion will never change unless people's hearts are changed, and these people coming to an abortion center all need Jesus, yeah. all of them, and and that is the answer to not only abortion but really to to every question. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. The uh, the problem is sin, as we talked about last time, yeah. and the remedy is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right. right. So. I just want to ask you, you, based on your life experiences, you know, we have experiences in our past and we come to certain conclusions and we end up in certain places in our lives and God uses our past to really shape our future and to call us into certain ministries and to give us a burden for certain yeah. uh, ministries and that sort of thing. So have you always been pro-life? Has that always been your stance as far as the issue of abortion? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, I was raised by uh, parents, great parents, but they... Um, they were not spiritual, um, and they they didn't believe in God, and um, and they were my my dad was very conservative, my mom much more liberal, but I was raised during the time that Roe v. Wade was legalized, and um, and society said this was okay, that abortion was okay. The books that I read in school, I remember one. Um, I think I talked with you about that. I 
uh, Cider House Rules by John Irving, which mm -hmm. is a, actually a very sympathetic look at an abortionist and at the um, the terrible an illegal abortionist actually, and right? illegal exactly. And so it was it was really kind of trying to make the case for why abortion should be legal because these women that the illegal abortionists saw were women in terrible circumstances, and mm -hmm. he truly believed he was serving mankind. He was doing a good thing. I did too. I read that book. John Irving is a great writer, one of my favorites, and um, and I really thought, okay, I'm I I agree with this book. So um, so I was you know a product of the times, a product of the all the press at the time, and still um, the the growing liberal press that uh, that a woman should have control over her body. Uh, the science back then was nothing like, I mean, the science never changed, but the um, the tools in, to look into the womb yeah. and look at that baby's development um, were much less advanced back in that time. So when they said it was the baby was a clump of cells, there wasn't really a whole lot of stuff out there to disprove that. And I didn't bother to, yeah. um, to discover anything else. During <laughs> that time, uh, when Roe v. Wade, along you know, the time that Roe v. Wade was... was uh, handed down as a court decision and even before that time do you remember the debate the the pro-life pro-choice debate do you remember that like in the you know as far as in the media was there a lot of talk of that do you remember you know honestly i do not um i'm but i have a terrible memory there i'm sure there was but i wasn't at all political um i didn't i read the comics i don't think i read a lot of the newspaper um, but I was an avid novel reader, and mm -hmm. that's why, which is um, actually fast forward to what I do now, I think that set the tone for, I, I became a writer, an author, yeah. and I think part of that is because um, the novels that I was reading at that time were more pro-choice, yeah. and so-called pro-choice, um, that John Irving novel really was, and and that really influenced me. If someone pointed one something in particular that swayed me to believe abortion was okay, it was that novel. So I thought that's something that Christians, I think, pro life should pay attention to. We should not cede the culture to the liberal, demonic, evil um, agenda. Yeah, we need to be seizing the arts back and I'm an artist also so um, um, that's that was very near and dear to my heart and when I started writing I was determined that my books would always have God at the core and a pro-life message at yeah. the core yeah so when you were younger what time how old were you in pro-life uh, or when uh, well in 73 uh, I would have been um, 17 okay 17 so, so was, you were was, up was and a, coming Adult. I was right at the age where yeah. where that was intended to reach. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you do you recall? Because I'm just interested in this. Do you recall uh, in school having conversations, people talking about abortion, talking about um, the issue of abortion? Do you recall any conversations like that? I mean, yeah. you were in you yeah. were in New York, and I everybody was, were Catholics pretty much, right? right. I mean, yeah, a lot of Catholics. Um, a lot of lack of religion. Honestly, I, th I think there was a lot of cultural religion, maybe, mm -hmm. but um, nothing like the South. So honestly, I don't remember um, 
I don't remember discussions. That, that doesn't mean that, that they didn't happen, but I remember just being very consumed with being a teenager yeah. and the struggles of, of being a teenager. Um, and like I said, that one book, though, which I, I can't remember if it was an assigned reading mm-hmm. in one of my classes. It might have been. Um, and that one book was my discussion that I recall okay. of abortion. Yeah. And so in your school, even, you know, if there were uh, women that had abortions in your high school, probably yeah. wouldn't have been talked about. Never. Wouldn't have been a, Never. Yeah. I don't remember. No. I don't remember a single discussion or, or any woman in my experience at all that I knew of that, yeah. had, a, that had had an abortion. Yeah. Okay. And so up and coming, you know, coming into adulthood and, and, and you know, having read the uh, Cider House Rules book and that being an influence to you and your parents really never talked a whole lot about about abortion. So it wasn't right. like a, a huge topic or anything like no. that. No. So it was almost um, maybe like a default position, like, you know, yeah. pro-choice, you know. Exactly. Right, you know. Exactly. I was liberal. Not I like was, abortion is a, is a great thing, but it's, yeah. you know, if you need it one. It wasn't a big deal. One. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal. It, it was a clump of cells. I do remember that thinking it was not a big deal. Yeah. And and so, you know, and you'll probably be asking questions later on, but I'll just get into that. So when I was, you know, a, a very young adult um, with a pregnancy, unplanned pregnancy, didn't want, did I was not, I had big plans. One of the plans was I wanted to ride my bike across the country one yeah. day, and I knew I could not do that with a baby. And so I, and I was deathly ill. I had terrible morning sickness. And I, I didn't want that baby. Mm-hmm. And, and I honestly, to tell you the truth, I don't think I thought twice. I didn't know the Lord. I was not a believer. Um, it had never, I don't recall anyone ever saying there was anything wrong with abortion. Yeah. They may have, and maybe I blocked it, but I don't remember it. And, um, it, you know, I didn't want the baby. It's a clump of cells anyway. It's making me really, really sick. So I had an abortion, really without a moment's thought yeah and then um following that however there was um i i didn't know the lord for another decade but during that that decade i would have nightmares of ripping a puppy apart with my bare hands and i was an animal lover funny i was an animal lover that would never even step on an ant yeah um yet i didn't equate what i did to my own child as um as wrong so and i think that that shows two things the deception of the abortion movement and how it deceives women through the lies it's a lie it's not a clump of cells it's a living human being um but the deception of a heart that hasn't yielded to the lord so kind of you kind of came from a um, at least a non-religious background your parents weren't religious yeah and coming through high school you kind of came to your own conclusions about the issue of abortion right at least you know from reading that that book and then you've come you came to a place where you actually had an unplanned pregnancy right. unplanned according to to you but of course we right. know the lord's plans are not yeah. always our plans yeah and yet in the midst of that you chose to have an abortion so yeah. you're at this point um, kind of yielding to to the culture, you know, what we would call the culture of, of death, right? To absolutely. maintain yeah. your life the way that you thought it should be. Yeah, that's absolutely what happened. Yeah. What were the, so the, the, the decade or so after that, mm-hmm. you said you, you weren't a believer yet. 
Right. And you were mm-hmm. kind of continuing on the trajectory that maybe you had planned for yourself, mm-hmm. and but still, but with yeah. some regrets, or at least you know maybe subconscious subconscious <laughs> regret. I I I cannot say that in that decade. I regretted the abortion. My, my immediate response was just what the literature says, and which is one of the things that we need to know and guard against, because the pro-choice, so-called pro-choice movement will always throw this at us that um, women don't regret the abortion, mm-hmm. and that statistics show, in fact, that they experience relief. Well, that's true. I, based on my experience, my first response was relief. I wasn't throwing up anymore, first of all. Yeah. And... Um, and now I could go and bike across the country, and I didn't have to worry about, you know, diapers, <laughs> carrying diapers on my bike. So um, that is true, but that's the immediate response, and most of the pro-life study, pro, so-called pro-choice studies that follow women following an abortion are not long-term studies. They're within the first five years. I didn't recognize um, the severity of what I had de- done in those first five years. I, I was experiencing all kinds of terrible symptoms, bouts of crying, depression, desire to kill myself, um, physical um, problems, and certainly emotional and definitely spiritual, but I had no idea it was connected to the abortion. Not till 10 years later, when I had a planned pregnancy, my, my firstborn son, and, um, and when when he arrived and was born, um, my world changed. Yeah. I looked at that perfectly formed, incredible miracle of life and, and was like, what did I do? Um, because I think that's when it first really struck me. I killed something like this miracle that I can't begin to explain how much yeah. I loved him. So um, uh, I was reading the Bible, not to really get to know God, but because I was a writer and all, I had always loved writing from a from very young age and, um, and was always taught that the best literature, without the religious part of it, the best literature ever written is the Bible. So mm-hmm. I was reading it for the literary um, knowledge. But... God got his hooks into me, and and shortly after Anders, my firstborn son was born, um, I I came to the Lord. Yeah. And the first sin that I repented of before God was the abortion. That was the first thing that I recognized was the most grievous assault, um, on God. Yeah. So would you say would it be correct to say that you were pro life or at least headed in that direction? Um, before or around the same time that you became a follower of Jesus? At the moment that I came to know the Lord, I think that everything changed. Yeah. Everything changed for me. Um, I was not filled with knowledge. I, I, did, I had read the Bible a lot, but it, you know how they talk about how scales are, fall from your eyes mm-hmm. as, as you um, grow in the Lord. That's what was happening with me. The Bible had been... I was clueless what it was really saying mm-hmm. until I, I came to the Lord, and, and but was it, it was immediately revealed to me that abortion was wrong. So I would say at the moment of conversion, um, that was when I realized how um, that I was pro-life because God's pro-life. Yeah. And, um, and, and that from that moment on, um, I would not call myself an ardently pro-life person. I still was not political. Um, I didn't do anything to, to 
help the pro-life movement, but I knew in my own heart that abortion was terrible. Yeah. A terrible wrong, a terrible sin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that happens, um, you know, when we're, in, we're not connected to the Lord by being saved, we really don't see, you know, what's wrong? Like, what's wrong with me? I'm not, I'm, there's nothing wrong. People are basically good. But when we come to know the Lord, we look back and we see how, wow, I was really a, a monster. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, really... God is so gracious in how he reveals that. Because if he had revealed the full extent to now what I know about what a monster I was, yeah. I think I would have killed myself right then and there. But he, he actually, I think, I think it's C.S. Lewis that, that in one of his novels describes that um, our sin is peeled back like the skin of an onion. Yeah. And he only reveals so much of who yeah. we truly are at a time because none of us could see. If we saw ourselves the way God sees the truth of who we are, I think at the moment that we come to the Lord, I, I do think none of us could bear it. Yeah. I know I couldn't. There are still, even as he's still peeling back the onions, the skin with me, that I say, oh, really, that was me? And I'm horrified. Yeah. So, so it's a process. From, yeah. You know, coming to the Lord, the first thing He did was say that was sin, and then, um, and then, brought me step by step to where I am yeah. now. Yeah. So, piggybacking on that statement, where you are now. Yeah. So you surrendered your life to Jesus mm-hmm. when you when your first son around the time when you when your first right uh, son was uh was born mm-hmm. and you were pro-life or at least you know you agreed with what god's word says you see yeah. the value of human beings that right. god would send his own son to die so that we could be rescued we could be saved from our sins so you're mm-hmm. sort of like a lot of christians almost like the default position for lost people is pro-choice mm-hmm. the default p- position for christians maybe is pro-life mm-hmm. but that being the case we know that there are a lot of christians who claim at least pro-life convictions that don't really carry those convictions through to what you would think is a natural uh, conclusion, like every life should be protected. Mm -hmm. And I believe that God's word is true about life. Therefore, I should go and do what the Bible says, which is speak for those who can't speak for themselves. So how did you get there? How did you get from, yeah, kind of pro-life in a nominal way to pro-life in a an active way. Yeah. When I'm Coming funny, to an abortion clinic because yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Until, <laughs> you know? until you're saying this and I'm going through this whole story in a funny way and I never really thought of this before. It was, again, a book mm-hmm. that um, that brought me to where I am today or a book that I wanted to write. So um, I, I homeschooled all of my children and, and I was on a, um, a homeschool Facebook group with Lisa Metzger, who is um, a second generation pro-life uh, champion. Her, her family has been in the pro-life movement forever. And, and Lisa, um, great homeschooler also with a large family, and she would post on this homeschool Facebook group I became her friend on Facebook. I had never met her face-to-face, but um, uh, she would post about being out on the sidewalk here at La Trobe and, um, and all of these women who were coming for an abortion who had changed their mind. And I was shocked. 
I thought for sure she was lying. Yeah. Just trying to, I, I just could not believe that this was happening. And she would talk about being there in the thunder, hurricanes. I mean, they were there no matter how wretched the weather was. And I thought, this is a story. This is a st-. I knew nothing about it. I was clueless. Again, you would think I, you know, I'm not dumb. I don't know why I was so clueless. But um, so I contacted Lisa and said, could I write your story? I'm, I'm an author. I would like to write a book about sidewalk, a sidewalk counselor. Could I be a fly on your wall? And she said, absolutely, that would be wonderful. And the best way to do that would be to come to the training, the Cities for Life um, sidewalk training, and then go on the sidewalk and, and see what happens out there. And, um, and I said, okay, but something in me just was terrified. I had not yet spoken of my own abortion to anyone. No one knew. Um, and, you know, that was 40 years ago. At that point, 35 years ago. Um, deep, dark secret. Still deep shame over it. Um, I think I did have to fill out a volunteer form, I vaguely recall. And I think the question on it said, have you ever had a, um, I, I forget like trauma how associated a with tra- abortion or something A traumatic like that. experience with abortion. And the way that I was not going to outright lie, but I was not going to answer it. So I wrote, well, I was raised during the time that Roe v. Wade was legalized, uh, was passed, and, and so I believed abortion was um, valid and a, and a good choice. And that's pretty traumatic now, looking back. That's how I hedged the question. Yeah. And fortunately, no one, well, maybe not fortunately, no one ever asked me. So um, uh, I, I tried not to come to the training. I mm-hmm. fought it, but ended up coming. And sitting right in front of me was a deaf woman who um, had an interpreter, another fellow sidewalk counselor, Rebecca, um, was interpreting for her, and it was before the class started. I had told Lisa, I'll come to the class, but I will not go in front of the abortion center. And the the deaf woman um, uh, signed and spoke. She could could actually speak very well, even though she couldn't hear a sound. But um, she she said, um, uh, how can I be of use? Because I can't hear what anyone's saying if I stop a car or if a woman comes to talk with me. And Rebecca said, um, and signed, but also said, because this woman could read lips, so she said, can you say, please don't kill your baby? And the deaf woman said, yes. And then Rebecca said, then God will use you. And, um, and I thought, here am I, an able-bodied woman who can hear and speak relatively okay, and, um, and I'm terrified to just even go to the sidewalk to see what happens. Again, not even realizing my, my own self needed healing and that that was where that fear was yeah. coming out of. Um, so uh, when she said that, I told Lisa, I'll, I'll go to the sidewalk. And I went and I asked a, a thousand questions. I was traumatized, horrified. I could not believe when I saw all those women streaming into that place I had no idea and um and I uh so I stayed for in fact I was the last person to leave of the group and um and pulled away to drive home and I just started sobbing and couldn't stop crying so hard I couldn't see to drive and um pulled over cried for an hour and then called Lisa and said what day do you need me it was a Monday was when they needed me. I'm still Mondays. It's still my favorite day um, to be out there. Uh, and 
started that following week volunteering yeah. i did write the book eventually not about lisa's life but about sidewalk counseling and actually my I first year i read the forward to that book didn't i the what? Singing in the Darkness, right? Yeah, right, Singing, yeah. In, singing in the Darkness. Yeah, wonderful. And, and you did write the, the forward <laughs> of the book. forward in that That's book. right. And, and they have since written many, many novels mm-hmm. about um, the pro-life because that's what brought me full circle yeah. to the Lord and to a recognition that abortion is one of the pivotal issues of the day in keeping people away from God. And yeah. it, as an example of, of the, uh, one of the most severe rebellions against God. Yeah. And so just with a, a few more minutes that we have left, how have, you know, so the Lord's obviously grown you in so many ways. Yeah. Uh, from, you know, being a, a young lady who had yielded to abortion and then ultimately to a mom whose eyes were open by being a mom and right. come to the Lord and, and then, you know, walking with God and then coming out to the sidewalk. Since you've started coming out, you started out as a volunteer on Mondays mm-hmm. with Cities for Life mm-hmm. five years ago, right, right? Five and a half, yeah. Yeah. And, and now, because we just like, man, she's awesome, and the Lord is using her in so many awesome ways. It's like, man, you know, I told the, um, the uh, board of Cities for Life, it's like, man, we should hire this lady. Like, we need her to train volunteers because she can – she can train volunteers in a way that I, I just can't, you know, from a perspective of a post-abortive uh, right. woman. Yeah. And uh, also just very, very evangelistic. You just have an evangelist call in so many ways. So how has the Lord grown you in your walk with Him in those five years? Yeah. And would you say that, you know, in those five years of being on the sidewalks that you've grown in ways that maybe you wouldn't have otherwise in the Lord? Yeah, there is just absolutely no doubt. I I had never, I've never experienced um, the closeness to God, the sense of my purpose before God, the sen- the understanding of a calling. I did not know what that was. I really didn't. I thought I was a very faithful Christian for those, uh, you know, the past I've been a Christian now for 30 years, and um, I've only been out here for five and a half. I think I led maybe two people to the Lord in those 30 years, and in the past five and a half, I, I don't know how many, lots. Um, and um, and I, 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 I recognized um, that when, when God calls us to do something, he first of all he equips us he fully equips us to do whatever he's called us to do but there is no greater joy than doing what god has called you to do despite the fact that there is significant persecution yeah. on the sidewalk sidewalk counselors face some pretty big struggles my my whole world fell apart the year that i started sidewalk counseling and i think that is important that anyone considering that would would know satan attacks he hates yeah. he hates the family and abortion is his uh his crown jewel he you know it, it destroys so many women obviously so many babies so many families so um when uh in the in the midst of all that persecution all the attacks in every area of my life including my health i, I was diagnosed with brain uh, brain uh breast cancer and um and a scary time, and there were periods of great fear, but I will tell you, there was a peace that surpasses understanding throughout that very difficult year, and my happiest moments were on the sidewalk. 
because I knew God is using me. And, um, and there is nothing like watching a life that was going to be destroyed make a 180 turn from destruction and instead turn to God. Nothing, nothing yeah. compares, as you know, nothing, nothing compares yeah. with that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I liken it unto physical exercise. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a laborious thing to make your body do things it doesn't want to do. Right. And the fact is though, you're not going to, your muscles aren't going to grow in ways yeah. that they need to grow unless you, you know, use them in ways that you don't normally use them the same way within our spirit, you know, we, we have to push, you know, like Paul says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, yeah. right? Our flesh doesn't want to go out and, and share the gospel. It doesn't want to make itself uncomfortable. It doesn't want to go out to the sidewalk. It doesn't want to speak against things that are evil in our society. Right. Our spirit does because it wants to do the will of God. So mm-hmm. we have to exercise ourselves and we have to put ourselves out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've seen you do that over the years and just seeing God, God use you in so many powerful ways, but I know that it's, you know, from experience, it's not us. It's not us that's doing the stuff. It's the Lord, and we're just making ourselves available. We're just laying our bodies, as the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. We put that sacrifice on the altar, and the Lord, with His holy fire, comes and consumes that sacrifice and then gives us grace to to give a better and and more significant sacrifice. But it starts in just those initial steps of faith wouldn't you agree and that submission of your will and then the holy spirit when i when i share the gospel with people and i say and then the holy spirit when you proclaim jesus as lord and submit your life to him here's the wonderful thing the holy spirit enters and indwells you and um and that is something if i were to name one thing that's changed the most in me since being on the sidewalk is that recognition that i am indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and nothing that happens on that sidewalk is me. Yeah. It's the Holy Spirit using me, and it's a privilege and an honor to be used by Him, but it's God working through me, and it, um, it, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing, and I uh, appreciate you know, all that the, the Lord is doing through you and all that the Lord has done in you. And we want to encourage uh, those who are watching and those who are listening we have to just make ourselves available to the Lord. And, and we present ourselves a sacrifice to the Lord. And the Lord will use anyone who will say, you know what, Lord, here I am, send me. Right. And we have in this nation a, a, a big battle to fight. And our, the, the battle that we have to fight is not a natural battle. You know, our enemies are not uh, flesh and blood like the Bible says, but principalities. And so there's a spiritual battle that we're to fight. And Christians, we're called to this battle. We're also equipped to fight this battle. Mm-hmm. And as in our first podcast, as we talked about, this is not a political issue. This is not just a, a Democrat-Republican issue or whatever. This is a spiritual issue. This is a gospel issue. If you're a believer, God has equipped you by changing your life, first and foremost, by the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel. And if you'll just make yourself available, whatever that means, is that sidewalk counseling, is that working at a pregnancy center, is that... Uh, with politics, because politics certainly can do some things. Can God use you in that way? Maybe to spur some some folks who are not um, doing right in a, in a political realm to do right. Whatever the Lord in your church, you know, God's calling you to to speak to your pastor, encourage him to talk about the issue of abortion, to speak to Sunday schools. Whatever the the Lord's calling you to to protect the lives of the unborn, 
Um, he's equipped you by changing your heart through the power of the gospel. So step out in faith. And we want to continue to encourage you, so we're going to continue to be putting out podcasts and putting out videos to encourage you guys, and certainly engage with any of the the podcasts or videos. You can um, send me an email, dparks at citiesforlife.com, cities the number four, and life.com. You can email uh, Vicky at vcasiorg, spell that real quick. K-A-S-E-O-R-G. Yep, Vicky Kasiorg, so vcasiorg at citiesforlife.com. And we'd love to talk with you. We'd love to uh, just encourage you. We also have a, has a ministry that's designed really to help people nationally who are not local here in Charlotte but are around the country and even around the world want to get involved with sidewalk counseling. You can go to um, www.sidewalksforlife, that's sidewalks the number four, and life.com. And that's an equipping website. That'll help equip you to get involved on the sidewalks at your local abortion center. And that's just a resource that we've created for, for that purpose. So uh, the Lord bless you guys. Appreciate you watching. Appreciate you listening. And, uh, and be blessed as you stand for life. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude I know it will cost me my life But nothing's too precious since I met you